Hey, welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more info, you can check us out on Facebook at Life Church of Columbia. in with us this morning. Uh, the, the roads are iced over really, really bad, so we thought it might be wise for you to stay in and receive this word from home, even though the magnitude of this word is overwhelming today. Uh, so we pray that you'll take notes and um, get this into your spirit. I'm actually going to be coming out of the Song of Solomon this morning and the book of Revelations. Uh, but I'm actually going to start off in the book of Zechariah. I have a lot of stuff to unfold this morning. So I'm going to preach from a prophetic platform, an apostolic platform, and hopefully even a pastoral platform today as I unfold this for you. I don't feel pressured or in a hurry today. You're at home, uh, except for the few that's here this morning. And uh, so I want you to stay with me till the end. I need you to know where this message was born. And actually, I don't feel like it's a message, but uh, I was in prayer, in a high place of prayer, uh, in the mountain of the Lord, seeking the face of God. And God spoke to me. He spoke to me. And he said, I am raised up. Out of my holy habitation. As soon as he said it to me. I knew it was scripture. uh, And I just had to find it. But God spoke to me and said. That I have stood up. If you will. Uh, And you don't see many scriptures in the Bible. That tells us that God. Rises up out of his holy habitation. And in my mind's eye. I just seen God standing up. Off the throne. I knew the intensity of when God spoke to me that when he stands up, he stands up for a reason. He stands up to do something, even though God don't have to stand to do anything. But this is the analogy that God gave me. He said, I have risen up off my uh, holy habitation. And so I went to the scripture to begin to find out uh, what he was talking about. And it's in the book of Zechariah. You don't have to turn there, but. Uh, especially life churches, if you would write this down, although this is a corporate body, uh, word for the entire body of Christ, Zechariah chapter number two. And what's amazing to me, that's, uh, that, that chapter is 13 scriptures long. And it was in the very last scripture where God said, be silent, O flesh. Be silent, all flesh before the Lord, for he is raised up out of his holy habitation. First thing I want to take today, I'm just going to unfold some things more than preach. The first thing God is saying to you right now, that God has stood up to do something great. But when God stands up to do something great, you'll have to tell your flesh to shut up. You know, boy. you'll have to tell your flesh to shut up because your flesh will resist the move of God. I know you're saying, no, I'm praying for a move of God, but I'm declaring when God begins to move on the level and the magnitude in which he's going to move, your flesh is going to be so uncomfortable. (laughs) Your flesh is going to be so caught off guard that you're going to have to tell your flesh, you be quiet because God is standing and he's standing to do a thing. And so I went to the book and I think I was actually in Tennessee. Some of you were with me last week teaching from Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. And I even called the prayer, some prayer warriors that was in a prayer meeting back home and told them God has said that he is raised up out of his holy habitation, that he's took his stand and he is stirring things. So I went to the book of Zechariah chapter number two. And though God said he stood uh, in verse number 13, verse number one begins to tell you what he's really doing. And the Bible says that I lifted up my eyes and I saw uh, a man with a measuring line in his hand. (laughs) God said, I have stood up to measure my church. But it's a different kind of measurement. It's not a measurement of condemnation telling you you don't measure up. It's God measuring his his church, which means uh, that God is getting ready to expand. 
God is getting ready to expand. And for some of you that are watching online and some of you are already seeing this happening, that not only is God getting ready to expand his church, he's already expanding his church. So he's measuring it. He spoke to me three weeks ago and I didn't know what to do with it until right now as I'm looking at you into my camera right now. God said you have been weighed in the balance and found lacking. I first found out is a statement of condemnation saying, oh, my God, we don't measure up. And I want you to see a set of scales. And God is on these scales on this side. And you and I, the church of the living God is on this side. And there's no equality whatsoever <laughs> because the church is so light in her glory and light in her character and light in her demeanor. But God said, no, no, no. This is not a statement of condemnation. He said, I'm showing you the condition. <laughs> oh, we say I have a church full of people. I'm showing you the condition of the church and I'm not to condemn you. I need you to know I'm about to add some things to your life that starts bringing you into Dundabai. It starts bringing you into balance. I'm adding some character to you like you may have never had before. So first of all, all God needs you to see is I am out of balance and I don't measure up. But before you jump off the scales and condemn nation. I need you to hang in there because God is about to add some character to your life. He's about to add the nature of Jesus Christ to your life until there is equality in the body of Christ. Jesus said, I thought it not robbery to be equal with my God because this is what he has designed is for us to balance the scales. So I come to tell you this morning, amen, that God has stood up. He's got a measuring line in his hand and he's about to expand your boundaries says the Lord he's not telling you you don't measure up he's giving you an opportunity to step in a new dimension so the title of my preaching today will be don't miss your opportunity He said, I looked up and I saw someone with a measuring stick in their hand. And then he came and said, run, saying, Jerusalem is about to be inhabited, but she won't have any walls. He said, because so many are coming. I come to tell you prophetically what God is doing. He said, so many is coming that the walls will not be able to hold them. It won't be like a city you can build walls in. God said, I'm moving right now and I'm about to bring so many in that walls won't be able to hold I declare that's part of the measuring. Walls are coming down in the body of Christ. Denominal walls are coming down in the body of Christ. Racial walls are coming down in the body of Christ. Is anybody listening to me out there? I wish I could see your comments this morning. You hear me? God said they're coming. Zion is about to be inhabited. And he said you won't need walls. He said because I will be a wall of fire around about you. In other words, the walls are fire because it'll burn up all the walls that we have built in the body of Christ. He said, not only will I be the walls around about her, he said, but I will be the glory in the midst of her. Is anybody with me this morning? God has stood up in his holy habitation and in spite of COVID, in spite of division, and in spite of everything else, God said, I'm expanding the body of Christ. Whoa, I got a message I need to get to. He goes on to say, I didn't know I was going to preach this chapter, but he goes on to say, let's say, deliver yourself, Zion, from Babylon. Deliver yourself, Zion, from Babylon. God has stood in his holy habitation. He's told the flesh, the flesh to shut up. And now he's telling the lukewarm church, I need you to come out of Babylon. I need you to come out of compromise. I have took my stand in my holy habitation, and I'm calling you out of Babylon. I'm calling you out of compromise. I'm coming. I'm calling you out of complacency. Don't miss your opportunity, body of Christ. I know you're at home this morning. You're not even in this church. But hear this word. We at Life Church will not miss our opportunity. I won't miss it. As long as I'm one of the pastors of this church, I'm going to make sure you don't miss it. But you got to come out of Babylon. God said, I can't bless you while you're living in two worlds. I can't bless you while you're lukewarm. Oh. 
God help me. He said, I need you to make up your mind. I'm leaving Babylon because you see uh, the exile had done happened. God had done delivered them out of Babylon. But there was some people who decided and they were Jews. They were Christians. They decided, you know what? We kind of like it over here in Babylon. So we're going to try to worship over here. I come to tell you, get back to church. You can't stay in Babylon. Get back to the body of Christ. You can't have the best of both worlds. God is calling his church. Oh, my God, help me today. Deliver yourself, O Zion, that dwells. Deliver yourself, Zion, that's dwelling in Babylon. Quit waiting on somebody else to come get you and drag you out. God kicked the doors open, and now you have the opportunity to come out. Come out now. Why? Because there's a move of God sweeping through this land. You don't want to miss it living in Babylon. Woo! My God. He said, I'm telling you, I'm standing and I'm moving. And I want you to know, he that touches you touches the apple of my eye. <laughs> you know what that is? That's the pupil. Amen. I dare you try to poke that pupil with your finger right now. You can't do it. Why? Because your body is designed to protect it. God said, I'm geared to protect you. I'm designed to protect you. Amen. He said, that's the, that's, he said I'm calling you out of Babylon because I want to call you under my protection, my leadership, my direction. Because he that touches Touches you, touches the apple of my eye. Look at your neighbor right now in your living room in here and tell him, just tell him, you are the apple of his eye. You are that. My God, in the name of Jesus. So he says, sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for I have come. Here it is. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion. That's the church. Lo, I come and I dwell in the midst of thee, and many nations are about to come. Amen. He's telling us it's not time to mourn, church. It's not time to be depressed. It's not time to be oppressed because of what's going on. He said, it's time to rejoice because I'm coming back to dwell in my church. Okay, now let's turn and read my text. (laughs) Go to the Song of Solomon. Today I will not sermonize you. I think you can tell online. We have just prayed together with all eight or nine of us that you would feel the presence that we feel in this sanctuary online to receive this paramount word of the living God that we're going to pour into your living rooms today. Today I'm doing something I don't think I have ever done in my entire 30 something years of ministry is taking the text out of the song of Solomon. I've used scriptures, I've alluded to it. Song, Solomon's song, chapter number five. Verse number two, you got to understand something about the book uh, Solomon's Song. It's a love story. It's a, a, a book that makes me uncomfortable to read. But it is very powerful, and it's the love of Christ for his church. So when we talk about her, we're talking about the body of Christ, which is the bride of Christ. And we talk about him, we're talking about Jesus himself. Here's the allegory, if you will, of the Solomon's song, chapter number five and verse number two. She said, I sleep, but my heart is awake. There's a part of me that's slumbering and lazy. But then there's something way down deep inside of me that hears his voice. There's a part of me that's unconscious to the presence of God in my life. But even in my unconscious stupor and sleepiness, there's still something inside of me. Oh, who am I talking to out there that that, that, that hears his voice and knows he's real. And, and even though I'm lazy and I'm slumbering and I'm sleeping, there still is a part of me that loves him. I sleep, but my heart is awake. It is the voice of my beloved that is knocking, saying, open to me, my sister, 
my love, my dove, my undefiled. For my head, Jesus is standing at the door knocking. He's saying, please open the door. He said, because I've been standing here so long that my head is filled with dew. Now, it would be one thing if it was raining. It wouldn't take long to get wet. But a dew fly, falls so gradually, this scripture insinuates that I've been knocking a long time. For my head is filled with dew and my locks with the drops of the night. But the church spoke up and said, no, I hear you knocking, but I have put off my coat. How shall I put it on again? I've washed my feet. I'm done in bed. I don't want to get my feet dirty again. But even in her reluctance, reluctance, the loving Christ is still knocking. And, and now the Bible says, my beloved put in his hand by the hole of the door and my bowels were moved. My heart was moved for him. He's got his hand on the knob. He's got his hand on the, the latch. And finally, she said, I rose to open to my beloved and my hands dropped with myrrh and my fingers with sweet smelling myrrh upon the handles of the lock. And I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had withdrawn himself and he was gone. Tell your neighbor right now, don't miss this opportunity. Type it on the screen. Don't miss this opportunity. I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had withdrawn himself and was gone. My soul failed when he spake. I sought him, but I could not find him. I called him, but he gave me no answer. The watch, she's running through the streets now looking in the midst of her missed opportunity. And the watchmen that went about the city found me and they beat me and they wounded me. And the keepers of the walls, they took away my veil. Turn with me now to the book of Revelations, chapter number four. Or I'm sorry, chapter number three. I need you to understand something. Oh, there's a heavy, heavy, heavy anointing in this house today. I need you to understand something before I read. I'm going to be reading out of the book of Revelations, chapter number three, verse number 14. Scholars declare and teach and I'm going to let you make up your own mind today that the first three chapters of the book of Revelations are to the seven churches and for you that read your Bible any you know that you understand that but it's more than seven churches it's a prophetic time period pictured by seven church eras for you that have studied very much it's not nothing new to you you've run across that You've studied that before. But uh, one thing that is a fact, and you can look it up on your, in your maps, that these seven churches are geographically arranged in sequence on a mail route. Literally, the mail was delivered from one city. Paul would send letters to the, to the cities. And so these seven churches were in sequence on a mail route. And the church I'm about to read to you was the last church on the route. Scholars submit that this sequence portrays seven eras of God's church from the days of its apostolic inception all the way to the end of the age. And, and in these seven churches, which we've done studies together on it, the church conditions described in the letters prophetically describe conditions that would prevail in each successive era. So the book of Revelation, the, the apocalypse, it's, it's a book of prophecy. Some things that have happened and some things that's going to happen. And, and, and scholars teach that the seven churches were sequential and that each letter dealt with the current condition of the church of that age. Now, understanding that we are, we are at, on, as far as the prof, prophetic time clock 
is concerned, we're on the we're in the church of the last days called the Laodicean church. Now let's read that together. Revelations chapter number three, verse number 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things said to amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. I would, I wish. Can you imagine Jesus is saying, you know, you and I say it a lot. I wish this was happening there. I wish that would happen. God, the creator is saying, I wish you were one or the other. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that you are wretched, you are miserable, you are poor, you are blind, and you are naked. I counsel thee to buy me, buy of me gold tried in the fire that you may be rich. And white raiment that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness do not appear. And anoint your eyes with eyesight that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. My text, verse number 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and have sat down at my father's with my father in his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. I think it's ironic, and whether you want to buy into the prophetic time scale of the seven churches or not, as I study the church, there's one thing I do know scripturally, and as far as the American church is concerned, we fit in the Laodicean church. There's something unique about the Laodicean church because the word Laodicean actually means the people decide. Huh? It means the people judge. Now, the reason this is so astounding is because, amen, the Bible was written in a time of theocracy, not democracy. In other words, it didn't matter what you think. It didn't matter how you judged a thing. It didn't matter how you decided a thing ought to be. It was decided by the king. And, 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 and that's the environment that the Bible was written in. And it's amazing to me that even back in those days, we have a Laodicean church, which was actually a democratic people. Which are, were a people who decided for themselves what was right. They decided for themselves what was wrong. In other words, if it was right in their own eyes, it was okay. Are you listening to me? And it's amazing to me that we, the body of Christ, are living in that era to where there is no absolute truth anymore. That we have all decided we're, 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 we're good enough and we're holy enough to make our own decisions based on a thing. You know, and now we're living in a nation, amen, that has got away from the, the political running of a nation to trying to politicize morals and standards, amen. Uh, and now that which is right is being called wrong and that which is wrong is being called right. Somebody help me if I'm telling Telling the truth, Amen. Hey, listen to me. And now man has exalted himself above God, and he gets to make the decision and judge what is okay and not okay. I'm talking about the Laodicean church, Amen. And not on a double, not on. Not only is it going on 
in our government, but it has infiltrated into our churches. Amen. Where we're no longer preaching absolute truth. We're preaching what we think is right. And we're judging the situation of this is okay or that's okay. And anything goes in the body of Christ. I'm just going to tell it like God gave it to me. Amen. This is the church that Jesus was standing at the door of. This is the church he was knocking on. May I submit to you, Jesus ain't standing at the White House knocking on the White House door. Jesus is standing at the church house and he's knocking on a bunch of Laodicean churches who has decided we can govern ourselves. We don't need God. We don't need the word of God. We're going to govern our lives. We're going to govern our families. Amen. And we're going to judge it by our own convictions of what we think is right and what we think is wrong. Somebody better pray for me right there in your living room today. I'm amazed at the magnitude of this message on a day when no one could come out. Amen. Or very few. Amen. I want you to look at the era we are in. Jesus is standing outside this church. Amen. And he said, you're, you're in the worst possible condition you could be in because you're not hot on fire for me. Because if you was, I could use you. And you're not cold and dead and away from me because if you were I could stir you and convict you but you're in a dangerous place because you're standing in a place of lukewarmness where you got just enough warm not to feel the cold and just enough cold not to feel the heat of my presence and my power he said you are lukewarm oh hear the heart of God I wish you were one or the other I so wish says the Lord you were either hot you are either cold, but you have moved into a place where I am irrelevant. He said, and what got you there was your luxury. What got you there was your luxury. Amen. Are you listening to me? Amen. Uh, the Laodicean church of the uh, Laodicea was famous for its beauty and its wealth. Laodicea was a city that was created by a man and named it after his own wife. Amen. And it was up on a high plateau. It looked strong. It looked impregnable. It had the appearance of strength. It had the appearance of glory. But they were but there was one problem with the Laodicean city is its water supply came from the low valley. So the water supply was easily compromised. Even though they appeared to be strong, their water supply was compromised by any of the enemy. God said, He said, I would that you would be one or the other. The Laodicean church was known for its wealth. Matter of fact, it was known for its banking. It was known for its banking. They were so wealthy. They were so wealthy that they created their own currency. They had need of nothing financially. He said, that's why he said, you say you are rich and increased with goods. They were a financial matter of fact that the, that, 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 that it just reminds me of America, that the church is stuck right in the middle of it. And he said, you become so financially stable that my church has become a financial institution instead of a spiritual encounter with a holy God. Amen. And because you're so blessed and because you're so wealthy, he said, and because you got all this going for you. You flipped it upside down and you think you're godly because you're wealthy. And he said, you don't even know. You got plenty of money, but you're broke. You're busted. You're disgusted, he said. You're blind. This, this is, the, I'm just trying to show you the church that Jesus is knocking on. Amen. And I never really, really understood. He said, he said, let me give you some counsel. Buy from me some gold that's been tried in the fire. He said, why don't you try faith for a while? He laid it on your money. You lean it on your bank account. You lean it on your financial institution. But why don't you try some gold that is tried in the fire? Why don't you try trusting in me and believing in me? He said, he said, why don't you buy white robes? You know what made them so rich? 
One of the things that made the Laodicean church so rich, they had a unique black wool. They had black wool. Amen. The only wool, amen, comes off a sheep and it's white. Somehow or another, they had bred the sheep until the sheep started producing. Oh, I don't know if y'all can, y'all ready for this, this part. They, they bred the sheep until they started producing black wool. Amen. And, 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 and what was supposed to be righteous because it was mixed in with sheep is now producing a black righteousness that has nothing to to do with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's why he said take that money, amen, and go buy, buy some white wool. Get back into righteousness and holiness. But everybody was drawn to the black wool. That's the church he's knocking on. Everybody, well, it's wool. It's just not pure. It's Christian. It's It's Christian. It's just not holy. It's Christian. It's just not truth. Oh, is anybody listening to me? Amen. And everybody's drawn to the black wool because I can stay like I am and put bumper stickers on my car that says... I love Jesus. Honk if you love Jesus. Oh God, this is too much. No wonder God gave me an empty sanctuary. Help me. I got a few helpers in here this morning. Amen. He said, take your money. Take your money and buy white raiment. He said, get back to faith and you can be really rich. Buy some white wool and you can cover up your nakedness. Because he said, black wool won't cover up your lack of character. Black wool. But preachers are peddling black wool. Amen. And growing our churches on black wool. Black wool. And everybody thinks we're okay. Amen. Wool that says, if you think it's okay, it's okay. If it's right in your eyes, it must be right. If you're okay with it, God must be okay. Oh, God, I need somebody praying for me today. And God said, you don't even know. You're running around saying, look how rich we are. Look how... Look how rich we are. Look how whole we are. Look how healthy we are. And Jesus said, You don't even know. You don't even know. Rebecca, he's knocking on the doors of a church who don't even know. Can I tell you, they ain't but one thing worse than living in compromise. And that's living in compromise. And you don't even know it. Why? Because preachers are not preaching anymore. We're dealing out black. Amen. There's nothing worse than being blind. It is being blind and you don't know it. You don't even know it because if I if I know I'm naked, I'll be ashamed. If I know I'm naked, I'll cover. At least there'll be some conviction. <laughs> oh, somebody pray for your pastor today. If I know it, if I'm aware of it, at least there's some shame. He said, but when you don't know it, you flaunt it. When you don't know it, you'll pass laws against it. When you don't know it, you'll promote it and push it. My God, at least, Father, let us know. At least open our eyes to see. I'm not rich at all. I'm not rich at all because I got my values messed up. I thought if I was driving a nice car, had a little money, God must love me. And that's favor. And that must be godliness. Timothy wrote about it. He said, they see godliness as great gain. Amen. Are you listening to me? He said, no, no, no. We've messed it up in the America. This is the church. Is anybody with me? This is the church. Jesus is knocking on. Amen. That they said, oh, we must, they got their value messed up. They put so much value on materialism that if the materialism was high, they considered themselves spiritual. God said, you don't even know. You're blind. You're wretched. You're miserable. Oh, but look at him. 
Lord, I love him. I love him. Look at him. Look at him. He's not saying, I don't want to be married to you no more. He's not saying, get out of my life. He's standing out there and he's covered with He's covered with dew. He's covered. He's been standing out there so long knocking that he's covered with dew. And he said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will, any man, any man, black man, white man, Asian man, Baptist man, Pentecost, any man will just open the door. I'll come in. They, they were risking his goods. They, they didn't need faith no more because they had bank accounts. They had, they had loan officers. Amen. He said, anoint your eye with eye One of the things that made Laodicea so rich was they were a metropolitan or they were a medical center. They were a medical center. They was thousands of years before their time. They had actually created a salve that was would cure cataracts and bad, bad eyes. Amen. That's why God said, no, no, amen. He said, because you can take care of everything yourself. He said, take that money and buy eye salve and anoint your eyes with the Holy Ghost so you can start seeing past your money. You can start seeing past... Your material stuff, and you can start seeing in the spirit. This is the church Jesus was knocking on, and they got there because it was too comfortable. They were wealthy, they were rich. And here's another thing they had the most influential bishopric of the entire region. Bishopric is spiritual hierarchy. You, we would call them presbyters and pastors and leaders and bishops. They had all, God, I'm talking about the church. They had all these bishops overseeing all of this stuff. Amen. But everybody was dealing in black wool. Nobody was dealing in white wool. So they were wealthy and they were religious to the core. And they thought they had it going on. But Jesus is on the outside, not on the inside. And he's knocking sad if any man. Will open up unto me. Which leads me to point number one. (laughs) The nature of our God. Do you see? Do y'all see the nature of God? He's not overbearing. He's not overpowering. My Bible says that Jesus said, I am the door. But look at the nature of God. The door is standing outside your door. Asking for permission to come in. Look at the nature of God. <laughs> Who could have shook the entire house down around us. Who could have kicked the doors open. And, 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 and taken over our lives. And taken over. But look at him. The, the, the humble servant of man. Is on the outside knocking, saying, not only is he knocking, amen, but he's lifting his voice saying, if you'll open this door, if you'll give me permission, can I help somebody right now? This is the nature of our God, amen, that if you're waiting for God just to overrun your feelings, overrun your emotions, overrun your rebellion, overrun your rejection of him, if you're waiting on God just to come in and knock you down out of his way so he can have his way you'll never go you're going to miss an opportunity of the savior who's steadily knocking saying give me permission don't miss this opportunity give me permission oh my god i'm talking to the church the 21st century church jesus is saying give me an opportunity to come into this house oh the nature of God that he would stand so long and knock so loud and even lift up his voice for an opportunity 
Amen. Shake your neighbor right there and tell them, don't miss your opportunity. Don't miss your opportunity. Don't miss your opportunity. She said, I was already in the bed and I was asleep. But even in my slumber, there was something about me that wanted him. But my sleep overpowered my desire. I was asleep, but my heart was awake. I, I was asleep, but I was still dreaming about him. And I'm, I'm talking to the church of the living God that have dreams of doing great things with God and encounters with God. But there's another part of me that is my flesh and it is unconscious to the things of God. It is sleeper. It is slumbering and sleeping while something on the inside said you really should be up. You should be seeking. You should be waiting. You should be expecting. The flesh is weak. The spirit is willing. He's knocking. He's not going to say open to me. He's open to me. And then the church, of the Laodicean church is saying, man, I done got undressed. I'm done in the bed. I'm more comfortable here. I'm dressed for sleeping, not hosting glory. I'm really dressed for sleeping and not hosting and entertaining. <laughs> oh, I can't preach it like I saw it. Amen. Oh, I, I, I really want it. And now all of a sudden, everything you said you wanted is being put to the test. Now everything you said you wanted to see is being put to the test. Because now he's knocking. But really, sleep is more see, My comfort is more important than an encounter with my God. Pray for me, intercessors in this house today. I don't feel like getting dressed. Amen. I done washed my feet. Don't you understand? It's just too much trouble to get my feet dirty again. It's too much trouble to get up in the wee hours of the morning and pray for revival. It's too much trouble to push my plate back and pray. But Jesus is knocking. Uh, how do you know, Pastor? He's knocking. I'll tell you. i got to get out here and see if anybody's with me. I'm going to tell you how I know he's knocking. is because you have felt it in your heart. <laughs> yeah, you may have been lazy lately, but you've been feeling it in your heart. You've been feeling it in your heart. God is calling me to something deeper. Amen. <laughs> These two ladies sitting here drove through ice and snow and all that and said, we come to get Jesus on or something. <laughs> Amen. There's a desire down inside of you, but you cannot shake yourself. You can't host the glory dressed like you dress. You got to get up and you got to take off your sleeping clothes and you got to put on the white raiment. You got to anoint your eyes with eye because he's knocking. <laughs> he's knocking. He's knocking. Oh my God. If I get up, I'm going to get my feet dirty. I'm going to get my feet dirty and then I got to wash my, my God. He's knocking on a land to see in church who is so self-sufficient. Amen. It's too much trouble to have revival. It's too much trouble to encounter God. It's too much trouble to have the anointing in my life. I'd rather sleep. Until, until she, okay, 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 I'm going to, I can't rest anyway. I'm going to get up and let him in. <laughs> I'm going to get up and let him in. Not only was he knocking, but the scripture says he got his hand on the lock. While you were sleeping, he was trying to unlock some things in your life. He was there to unlock some. He was there to set you free from some bondages in your head. And all you had to do was get up and open the door. All you had to do was seize the opportunity. And he was trying to get it unlocked. But he needed somebody on the inside to co-labor. But it was too much trouble. He'd say, no, 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 no. who am I talking to right now? Amen. This trying to get some things broken out of your life. Who am I preaching to right now? Can I tell you, this is your opportunity. God don't want you to break it yourself. He's got his hand on it. <laughs> I 
said he's got <laughs> he's got his hand on it right now. How do you know he's got his hand on it? Because I'm feeling convicted. I'm feeling like I really ought to get that thing out of my life. His hand, the anointed one, has got his hand on it right now. But he needs you to get up. Get up. Don't miss this opportunity. Woo! Don't miss this opportunity. Because he's not going to break it without you. He cannot break it without you. All he needs from you is will. Amen. All he needs you to do is get up and get dressed. He'll do the rest. All he needs you to do is open the door. Can y'all see me out there? <laughs> open the door. My hair's kind of sticking up up there, ain't it? Open the door. Thank you, Lacey Turner. Get up. All he needs you to do is get up. He ain't asking you to set yourself free. He's just saying, get up, Tanya. Get up. Get up, Tanya Ellis. Get up. Just get up right now. Just get up right now. Because his hand's already on it. All he needs you to do is jerk the door open. Don't miss this opportunity. We got to have a move of God, body of Christ. And it's not because God is reluctant and holding back glory. He's trying to get you to open the door. He's trying to get you to get up and get dressed. He's trying to get us, amen, to say, you know what? It ain't no trouble to get my feet dirty again. I'll climb the mountains to reach him. I'll, I'll descend in the valley to get to it. I'll feel the Holy Ghost in this place. It ain't too much trouble to have an encounter with God. You know what your problem is? You want God to invade your complacency and disobedience. What's your name? Heather and Heather, Angie, Rebecca, Lacey, my beloved. And you might be beating yourself up for what you're bound by, but he's saying, Rebecca, my beloved, open the door, open the door, give me an opportunity. Here's your time. God Almighty, I come to it's your time. The master is coming by. But you got to get up. You got to rise up out of your whole press state. And at least open the door for the door to come in. Open the door. Open the door. I don't know who I'm talking to right now. Open the door. Open the door. I don't know how long he's going to knock. I don't know. I don't know. I ain't going to try to know. All I do know is when she finally decided to encounter the one that loved her. I command you in the name of Jesus, get up. As your pastor, I'm commanding you to get up. You ain't got to set yourself free. He's waiting to set your friend set free, but you got to get up. You got to get up. Amen. And you got to take off sleeping clothes because this ain't no time for sleeping. It's time for hosting. Oh, that's a word for the body of Christ. This ain't no time for slumbering. This is a time for us to host the glory of our God who's knocking on the door of the local church saying, if you'll just open, I'll come in and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to feed you manna from another world. But they, she missed her opportunity. You know why she missed it? She thought it was the inopportune time. I'm afraid the church thinks we're in an inopportune time. COVID, storms, freezes, upheaval in government, White House, Senate House, Congress, all like a bunch of little school kids fighting one another. Everybody's declaring they know what's right. 
They know what's right. And the church, if you're not careful, you'll sit back and say, this is the most inopportune time. I so wasn't expecting you. I got undressed. I so wasn't expecting you. I laid down my righteousness. I so wasn't expecting you. I compromised my convictions. <laughs> oh, my God. But God said, it's in the darkest of the night that the light comes with such glory. No, it's not inopportune time. It's opportunity to time. You think it's inopportune time because you're lower than you've ever been before. More defeated than you've ever been before. More discouraged than you've ever been before. So discouraged, you're dressed in the clothes of oppression and depression and submitted. Oh yes, there is part of you that's still awake, that still loves the Lord. <laughs> It ain't that you don't love God. There's a part of you that's still awake and loves the Lord. Amen. Way down deep inside. But because of so many faults and failures and blowing it and this, that, and other, you've just decided to go to sleep. Can I tell you, the one who loves you is knocking on your door in spite of it all, saying, if you'll just open, I'll come in. I'll come in. But she waited too long. And when she opened that door, she grabbed the handle. And the anointed one was there. The anointing back then was a beautiful perfume. Messiah, the anointed one was there. And when she grabbed the handle, all she could do was smell a residue of where he had been. I'm afraid our churches had depleted just a little scent that he was here. He was here. He was here. Me and my wife's been watching Duncan Campbell. Pull Duncan Campbell up. Use that phone for something productive. Pull him up. Listen to the old man preach. Listen to the old man preach about revival. This morning I was listening to him to get me ready. You know, athletes listen to music to get them pumped up and ready. Well, I listen to these men of God. And he so had me ready. He was talking about how when revival come, that the beer joints emptied out. And the people just started making, nobody called a series of meetings. Nobody called anything. But the glory of the Lord came. And teenagers were being saved by the hundreds and thousands. Is anybody listening to me? But now I'm afraid the 21st century church just catches a whiff of where he had been. Where he'd been, and we read the Bible and get a scent of what he used to do. Instead of getting up ourselves and saying, We want an encounter with God. And the reason you can't miss this opportunity, you gotta you gotta hear me right now, Cassidy. You gotta hear me right now. The reason, the reason you can't miss this opportunity is because she said, Oh my God, he had withdrawn himself. God, don't make me preach that. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about you withdrawing yourself. I can't, I can't. Uh, away with it, Father. Away with it. Y'all just pray with me till I get back. Till I get back. Just, I can't, I can't, I can't even fathom to preach. I can't fathom to preach it. I can't accept it that we missed our time. No, sir, I can't accept it. I will not preach it. You hear me? But let me tell you why we can't miss it. Because the Bible says she ran out into the streets. <laughs> and now because of she, the way she's dressed, which is not properly, then the people on the street think she's available. <laughs> I can't preach it all. I can't preach it all. <laughs> because she's not dressed like a woman who is hosting glory. She's dressed like a woman who's ready to crawl in the bed. <laughs> Amen. So the watchman just considered her as open prey. When you miss your opportunity, you become open prey to the enemy. <laughs> God, this is too much. You become open prey to the enemy. And now condemnation starts molesting you. Condemnation starts destroying you because you missed your opportunity. Oh, hear me, believer. My God, don't miss.
miss this opportunity. Because when you miss it, can anybody relate to me right now that when you feel like you missed it, condemnation comes in, don't it? And it just starts beating you up. That's not God's design for your life. Let me back up. But I keep, I keep coming back to you because I wish you were here this morning where I could get my hands on you. Amen. Don't miss the opportunity. And because he had withdrawn himself, all she had was a memory. I don't know about you, Jennifer Bass. I don't know about you, babe. But I'm sick of preaching on memories. Is anybody else in this place? Is anybody online with me? Thank God. Thank God for our history. Thank God for testimony. But I need some current events to be able to give my children and my children's children oh who will get up who'll get up who'll get up we need some current events we need some current events but you got to understand this about the nature of God and I, I begin to follow this Thread of revelation on the nature of God and little things, Jennifer started standing out to me. And it's when his little flock, when Jesus' little flock were out in a ship and a storm was about to destroy them and take them under, the Bible says he saw it in prayer. <laughs> You ever notice that? I think it's in Mark chapter number four, chapter. He saw it in prayer because he was on the mountainside praying. And they were in the midst of a sea. And they were about to go under. So Jesus came to them walking on the water. And only one, the gospel of Mark, he shows us the nature of Christ. And the Bible says he came walking to them on water and would have passed them by. See the nature of God. He never imposes himself, but he always makes himself available. Don't miss an opportunity for your shepherd to calm your storm. Don't miss the opportunity for your shepherd to call you out in a dimension of faith, Peter, that you've never been in before. And the Bible says he would have passed them by but they cried out thinking he was a ghost and said don't be afraid it's me it's me can I tell you God told me he has risen up out of his habitation and he's doing a pass by he's doing a pass by he's passing by your home he's passing by your family he's making himself available He's making himself available to you. Are you too sleepy? <laughs> Are you too sleepy? To say, oh my God, we, 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 we were waiting on this two hours ago, two days ago, two weeks ago, two months ago. He showed up. Have you, have you gotten too sleepy? Blessed are they that wait upon the Lord, for they shall renew. They that wait upon the Lord, for they shall renew. They that wait upon the Lord, for they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. Oh, look, 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 look at the nature of God. Look at the nature of God. He had died. He had been crucified. He had been buried. He had been buried three days. The, the disciples are scattered. They're scared to death saying, oh my God, was it all true? Was it all true? They don't know what to do. They're scattered. They're scared to death. They're going to get killed and crucified. And these two of those disciples, I don't know who they were, neither do you, but they two of the disciples said, we're going to go down to Emmaus. Let's get out of Jerusalem. Let's go down to Emmaus. But Jesus in his resurrected self walked up beside them and began to walk. And he said, why are y'all so depressed? And they said, man, did you fall off of another planet? Haven't you heard? There was a man. His name was Jesus. He said he was the Messiah. Amen. He said he come to deliver us and save us. But he's been dead three days. And they said after three days, he said he was going to come back again. Amen. And Jesus, the Bible says, began in the Old Testament and began to preach to them as they walked. Telling them the good gospel news. And when I got to Emmaus, 
Your Bible says that Jesus played like he would go on further. But your Bible says they constrained him. Please don't go on. Stay with us. Is anybody listening to me? <clears throat> In other words, he gave them opportunity. And he walked with them. But if they wouldn't have constrained him, he'd have kept right on walking. And they'd never had an encounter of the Christ. They would have just left saying he was a good man. I'm afraid the church is so encounterless that Christ is just a great man. And not a deliverer, not a healer, not a savior. Why? Because, amen, he gives us opportunity for deeper, more intimate relationship. But we let him go. And the Bible says that they didn't know who he was, but they constrained him. They constrained him. Hey Amen. I, I had the definition for constraint. It's, a, it's diligently imposed their will upon his. Oh my God, for prayer warriors who would diligently begin to impose upon God and say, we can't live without you. Give us souls lest we die. Let us see a move of God. Oh, y'all still with me out there? And the Bible says he sat down and when he started breaking bread, their eyes was open and they had an encounter with God. Amen. He said, behold, I'm standing at the door knocking. I'm giving you an opportunity. If you'll open the door, let me come in. I'm going to feed you manna from another world. And you're going to say, this is the Christ in my home, in my church. Can I, can I, can I bother you just a little while longer? How many times did he walk with you? And the Bible said, they said, no wonder our heart burned within us. How many times have you felt that burning only to let him keep walking? <laughs> See, people are always talking about cycles. They're always talking about cycles. And I get up and everything's going good. You know what that is? That's him knocking with an opportunity. That's him walking along beside you. Amen. Just letting him, letting you feel his glory in your life. But you're going to come to a point to where if you don't stop him, he's going to keep right on walking while you go through another cycle. Because he's looking for desire in us to say, no, I'm not happy. Just a conversation every now and then. I want you coming into my home and taking up your abode. I'm not happy with a good service on Sunday. I want the glory of God to fill life church permanently. Permanently. Oh, I gotta quit. But I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you, what about the Bible says in the book of 2 Kings, there was a great woman, meaning she was a woman of wealth. She was rich. She's a picture of the church. She was rich and increased with goods. And there was a man named Elisha that would come by periodically. And she'd invite him in to eat with her. And he would go on about his business. Until one day she said, you know what? I'm not happy with this casual acquaintance with this holy man. Let's build a room. Let's build a room. So that the next time he comes by... And then the next opportunity we have with him, he's going to find a place to lay his head. And sure enough, when he came back by, there was a room. And the Bible says, while he was in there laying down, he said, what can I do for this church? What can I do? He said, woman, You've been so careful over me. Jennifer, I want to be a part of church, of a church, of a body who is very careful about the things of God. I want to make sure everything is in order so he can come and dwell. So that he can come and abide. And while he was abiding there, your Bible says that he found out she didn't have any children. And he said, this time next year, you're going to become fruitful. Are we happy, Life Church? Are you happy individuals with just the, the presence coming by every now and then? 
you getting a feel good every now and then? Or do we want to prepare a room for him so that he can come and take up his abode with us? I'm talking to somebody right now. Believe it or not, I've studied all week on Mephibosheth because I was going to talk about him. I'll talk about him next week. It's time for all to call. Don't you sign off right now. It's time for all to call. Y'all ready to pray? Y'all ready to pray in this church? It's time for all to call. I need you to make up your mind right now. I will not miss my opportunity again. I will not miss my opportunity again. Are you tired of being up and down? It's because God's coming by every now and then to give you opportunity. <clears throat> because you don't constrain him to stay, you go through another cold spell. I hear the Holy Ghost saying, listen to the pastor. He's answering your question of why are you up and down? It's because you didn't understand the nature of God. The only imposition he has is the knocking. And the knocking is the desire of that part of you that's awake. But he's requiring for you to hold on to him and saying, I'm not letting your presence leave me. Wow. Wow, that's different, isn't it? I'm so sick of talking to pastors who says, well, you know how it is, up and down, up and down, church is up this month, down. That's a, that's a, that's a lie. From, that's black wool. The only reason it's up and down is because we didn't kick the door open and make room for Jesus. Uh, are you listening to me? Is there room for him to live in your house or just come by and visit your house? I'm going to make room. I'm going to make room. I'm going to make room. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're praying in this sanctuary. I'm about to sign off air, but I need you. I don't care who's in there with you. I need you to make up your mind right now. I need you to double shut up. I need you to remember the way I started off this sermon. God said, I have raised up out of my habitation and my measuring tape is in my hand. I'm about to expand your boundaries. Come on now, there's a spirit of prayer in this house. I'm about to expand your boundaries. I have weighed you in the balance and I'm ready to add some righteousness and holiness. And I'm about to add some character to your life. I'm about to bring you up. The, I'm about to exalt the valleys, bring low the mountains, break the crooked places straight. Don't miss it. I come as a prophet today to tell you God said, I have raised up out of my holy habitation. Tell your flesh to get behind you. Rebuke every lie, every spirit of condemnation. Thank you people for praying. I know you're praying at home. Do you hear me? Make room for him. Open the door. Open the door. And he said, I'll come sit. And as a result, you're about to become fruitful. In season, oh my God, would somebody pray that? I pray over you that you become fruitful in season and out of season. When it's convenient and, I, and not convenient. Well, I declare that prophetically as the lead pastor over Life Church. Life Church will not be a church of seasons of fruitfulness and depletion. I declare we will live in the presence of an almighty God. And God said they're coming. I'm drawing all nations to a stable church where my presence dwells. Let it begin in you right now. Amen. He told the Laodicean church, repent. Repent. Father, I pray for the spirit of repentance to fill our churches again, oh Lord God. We have deemed materialism as godliness. I rebuke that lie in the name of Jesus. He goes on to say, let me tell you what godliness is. Contentment with godliness is what's profitable. Father God, deliver us. Deliver us of the desire for more stuff and birth in us a desire for more of you. In Jesus' name, I love you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this Life Church podcast. 